I know I've aged two weeks, um, but inside there's a soul that has eternal life. So um, it's good to be back. I wanted to share one thing that happened this past week. I was down at a job in Salter Path, um, United Methodist Church. They had some damage from Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Dorian. So I walk in, uh, there's a white haired guy there, probably middle aged. He says, hi, I'm Don. What's your name? I said, well, I'm Preston. I'm here to work on the insurance claim that your church has. He says, well, great. He says, this is my second day as a pastor here. So, and he was preparing for a funeral that day. Uh, so we talked a little bit, you know, and I, I said, can I pray, can I pray with you? And so I put my hand on his shoulder. I prayed for this man, uh, and then went on about my business. And, um, you know, over the course of the day as I was there, he thanked me three times for praying for him. And I don't say that because the prayer was all that great. I say that to let you know that the leaders of your church need you to pray for us. Uh, and we need that encouragement. We need that prayer support. And we will try to keep you better informed of who's praying when because that particular week is especially important for you to pray for whoever's preparing for the, the message, uh, just that the Lord would give them those right words. And I think for all of us that are, that are preparing messages, you know, as, as the service starts, we kind of are looking for confirmation that maybe the subject is right for, for that particular Sunday. And I would just like to thank Bill for the uh, songs that were sung. Uh, we're going to get back there if you want to circle back around to use those songs for closing. That's certainly up to you, but um, I, I wanted to um, just been really reflecting, particularly since uh, Camille's message um, about, I guess probably four weeks ago, I think it was the last day of May or something like that. I wasn't able to listen to her message, but I was able to go back and listen to it as a recording and to, to look at her, her um, slideshow. Uh, and it, as I thought about it, it was an interesting thing to me that um, it seems like in matters the, the Lord's involved in, there just seems to be this tension or balance um, in, in who he is. You know, there's the fact that um, there is truth that comes forth from his throne, but there's also mercy. And, and both of those things have their foundation in justice and righteousness, and that flows out of his goodness. He reveals himself uh, in... Uh, to Moses in Exodus as gracious and compassionate. And at the same time, in the same sentence, he says, but the guilty are not going to go unpunished. He, um, out of his love, he covers a multitude of sins. And yet at the same time, personally, through Christ, he paid the penalty for those sins. Um, he calls us to bear our own burden. And he then turns around and says, bear one another's burdens. He speaks about not just judging, lest we be judged, and then reminds us to judge what is right. And so I want to kind of um, give a message that sits alongside the one Camille gave uh, on identity. Um, it's, it's, it's to show that there's a tension there between identity and what we're going to talk about today. Um, and those two have to work together. I, I, as I was reviewing, Camille, your um, slideshow, two of the quotes that you had, one from Augustine, grant, Lord, that I may know myself 
that I may know thee. And then by John Calvin, nearly the whole of sacred doctrine consists in these two parts, knowledge of God and of ourselves. Um, if you remember, Camille went on to, to ask a question, well, why is identity so important? And she gave this answer. It defines who we are and what shapes what we will become. Um, what I would like to look at today is a part of one of the things that she listed that shapes our identity, and that is our name, and name being our actual name, and name with respect to uh, our reputation. And so um, with that, I, I just want to say thank you, Camille, for the presentation, uh, how important it is to come to know who you are, to break free from ways that we hide and coming to know ourselves better that we also know God better. And out of that, we can better recognize his interactions with us. I, I was kind of reminded of um, the first Corinthians 13, 12 scripture, which says, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know it in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. So you see, God already knows us fully, who we are and who he made us to become. Um, it's us that's in the search for who we are and to understand who we are. There lies alongside that a desire, not only to know ourselves, but you know, if we're honest with ourselves, to be known. And if you will, to make a name for ourselves. And so, you know, as I've thought about this as believers, how are we supposed to respond to the Lord's desire to re reveal to us who we are and who he has made us to become? How does that flesh out to a watching world? What is it that makes a person have a great name? Who or what is it that really makes their name great? Um, so I just want to kind of walk through the Bible a little bit, looking at some names um, and, and, and God's kind of response to those. You know, in the beginning, names are important. God brought the, the animals before Adam to name, and so he named them. And their name, he named them in some descriptive way to identify who they, were, who they are. People were named at times because of the circumstances surrounding their birth. At times, because of a promise, like Isaac, for example, at times as a promised hope, God changed people's names to signify a change in calling or purpose. Uh, I know you can think of many of them. Abram to Abraham comes to mind. Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter. You know, even kings change captive people's names as a way to reorient them to their culture. Um, to Daniel, uh, he assigned the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Um, in the New Testament, people were identified as someone's son, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Uh, they were from a certain town or village, Saul of Tarsus, by one's occupation, Alexander the coppersmith. Uh, or by your title, Jesus Christ. Christ is a title which means anointed or chosen one. So um, names are important. Um, and they have a lot to do with 
<coughs> who we are and who we become and who we think we are. And so um, as I look back at um, the encounter of Adam and Eve, who were made in God's image, they were tempted by Satan to become like God. It wasn't enough to be in his likeness. They were deceived into believing that they could be like him, knowing good and evil, um, omniscient, if you, if you will, which is it's one of those inexpressible attributes of God um, that makes him God, and it's something that none of us can have, although we're asked to be uh, imitate who he is. But they, in essence, wanted to make a name for themselves separate from God. And we, we already know that separation from the one who gives life brings death. First, the body, and then everlasting death, which is really separation from the life giver. So as a result, Adam and Eve lived under only a partial blessing of God's goodness. Um, if you continue on and look down through history at some point, at the time of Moa, Noah, God's response to evil and wickedness of man's ways was a flood. Wickedness is, is basically, uh, if you strip away everything from it, it's a disregard for the ways of God. Um, they disregarded that. Noah set aside his own reputation and his own name, though, to become obedient to God's command. Um, and so after Noah, you know, man began to multiply and fill the earth again, about six generations after that, during the time of Peleg, which his name means divided. This, was, this is what the scriptures say. It came about, this is in Genesis 11 too. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let's us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. They were, they were motivated to make a name for themselves, to reach into the heavens, to be like God. And God responded by confusing their language. Yet was another attempt to live apart from God and have their own identity separate from him. Then after the Tower of Babel, about five or six generations later, God looked down and chose a man. We, we know him as Abram. And he said these words to him. Genesis 12, which are all very familiar with. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. So God spoke to Abram and said, leave your family and go to a place I'll show you. And God said, I'll make you a great nation and I'll make you a great name and you'll be a blessing. You know, I read that story and then we look backwards at it. And I would just 
ask you sometime to read it as though you're walking with him through it. Have you ever thought about the response without knowing the end of the story or without any history with this new God um, that had been revealed to him? What did he do? It says, Abram went forth. He moved out on God's word. And what, can you imagine what it'd be like to walk that out? Promised to become a great nation. And in his mind, he knows my wife is barren. She can't have any children. Ah, but he took Lot, his dead brother's son. Maybe that would be God's way. In time, Abram became rich. Was that the beginning of getting a great name? Is he remembered for being rich? Not at all. But then there was an attempt to build a nation through Sarah's servant, Hagar, his first son, Ishmael. He was, now he was on his way to fulfilling God's promise. He was going to make this happen. God said, no, it would be through your wife, Sarah. Both of them well past the age of naturally having a child and the fact that Sarah was barren, unable to have children. And, but as promised a year earlier by God, along comes Isaac, the beginning of the great nation. Some years later, God tells Abram, go and sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love. Abraham, whose name was changed from Abram before Isaac was born, set out in obedience to follow God's command. Abram means high father. Abraham means father of many. Can you imagine having God change your name from a place that looks like it's impossible, where you haven't even got one child, to now being said, you're the father of many. But God saw that Abraham was obedient, if you will. There was a name more important to Abraham than his own. He was willing to lay aside building a name for himself or even grasping at the promises God made to him. To me, that says Abraham put God's name and reputation and his word above his own. Fulfilling, fulfilling his destiny was not as important as upholding that name revealed to him as much higher than his own. You know, maybe this is just me, but I think it's human nature that we either openly or secretly want to be known for who we are or for something we accomplish. Knowing ourselves is one of those avenues of realizing what we're destined for or what we hope to be known or remembered for, a way of leaving a legacy or more, if you will. There is something about one's motivation that either attests to God or attests to oneself. So I pose this question first to myself, but I'm going to lay it out for each of us to consider today. Am I a tower builder or a man after God's own heart? Am I trying to make a name for myself or am I one that's following hard after God, no matter what the cause? You know, we all start out to make a name for ourselves in some fashion or form. It's the way we come to know our value outside of God. But for those who encounter God and fully respond to him, God has a way of working as we allow him to reveal who he really is and who we are. Um, 
let's look at the life of Joseph. Now, Joseph was full of himself with his dreams and his father's favoritism. He had a dream, and that dream was of God. So he saw himself with a name higher and greater than those around him, and he acted in a way to reinforce that attitude. But God allowed him to go through a series of circumstances to bring him to a place of recognizing that it's God who is high above all, that it's God who is sovereign, and it's God's favor that's required to bring you into the destiny that he has for you. God made Joseph's name great only after Joseph was ready to use that name for God's purposes. How about his father, Jacob? Jacob, whose name means supplanter or usurper, made his way through cunning and deceit until he met and wrestled with the angel from God. That night, God changed Jacob's name to Israel from supplanter to he who has the power of God. You know, later on in, in Israel's life, uh, there was a great famine. Joseph, his son, was already in Egypt as the second in command of Pharaoh. And he called to his father and said, you need to come on down to Egypt where you can survive the great famine. So the Lord called to him and said this, Jacob, Jacob, and then I'm going to paraphrase, it's okay to go down to Egypt. God addressed Israel as Jacob, using this double address to show God's familiarity and intimacy with who he is. But you know, Israel did not question God saying, hey, why do you call me Jacob? You're the one who named me Israel. I'm not Jacob anymore. Jacob or Israel had come to understand that God's great name the one who never changes, was far above his own. And in God's wisdom and understanding, however the Lord addressed him was appropriate. His name compared to the Almighty One was insignificant. You know, God had spoken to his father Isaac and told him at one time not to go down to Egypt. And Jacob wasn't going to presume that he should go just because his son invited him. Even though it appeared the only way to make a great nation, only way to ensure that those 70 people promised to become a great nation would be able to survive. Um, further on in history, we know about this king, King David. He's called a, a man after God's own heart. Young shepherd David was angered that the name of God, Yahweh, was being ridiculed by the Philistine army. And with no regard for his own, and the unlikely odds risked his life for the sake of God's great name. Once uh, King David had been established as king, he desired to build a temple, a resting place, and a worship center for God. The prophet Nathan came to him with these words. This is in 2 Samuel 7, 8. It says, Samuel speaking, Now therefore you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I'm sure there were times when David wasn't really sure that God was with him in those 
10 years of, of being chased by Saul, but God said he was. And uh, so David had a response, not to Nathan who gave him this word from God, but to the Lord. And this is what it says in verse 18. It says, then David the king went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord God. For you have spoken also of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of man, O Lord God. Again, what more can David say to you? You know your servant, O Lord God. For the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let the servant know. For this reason, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people and to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and for the awesome things for your land because your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations and their gods. For you have established yourself your people Israel, and your own people forever. And you, O oh Lord, have become their God. There was no king as great as David. And yet, do you remember what it says in the New Testament about him in Acts 13, 36? This, this was the testimony. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And so it was with many great patriarchs who allowed their lives to serve the purposes of God. In serving God's purposes, one lets his name and reputation among men fall where it will, putting obedience to God first. David was the one to whom God made the promise to honor him, and God ultimately did through Jesus who became the king above all kings, everywhere and forever. Then uh, uh, further on um, in the New Testament, it, we see Saul, Saul of Tarsus, whose name was changed to Paul as a translation rather than the God, by God himself. He is one that we would consider for sure to be a tower builder, one who really wanted to make a name for himself all the while considered passionate of the name of God until the day he came to realize who the Lord was. Paul summarized his life before encountering the living God like this. I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Jim, Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Once Paul realized the great name of the eternal one, his whole perspective changed. 
Philippians 3, 3 says he put no confidence in the flesh, in those last statements that he made. He said this, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, I, as I have been thinking about this and uh, I can really see clearly in my own life, I was on the same path. I was a tower builder, maybe not consciously, but I certainly wasn't acknowledging God that had anything to do with my successes in high school and college and my first job. I was just trying to do things with excellence, but I wasn't ascribing any of the credit to God. Achievement just seemed is easy to me. It was almost natural. But, um, you know, the evidence of all those things, all the little pieces of paper uh, and stars and medals, they're all in a box, they're all in the closet. And by the grace of God, uh, he chose me. I didn't choose him. Even in the midst of my tower building, so to speak, he called me to himself. The grave one behind the name above all names revealed itself to me. You know, it is good to begin to know oneself in two ways. Without Christ, in order to see his amazing grace. And to know oneself in Christ, but hidden until he so chooses to reveal us. You know, in that place, hidden in Christ, we can sing and live with an abandon of freedom. A, a song that goes like this, and if I gain any fame, let it go to Calvary, to God be the glory, great things he has done. One's name is great when God makes it great. Our motive is to make his name great. Ours becomes great when it's attached to his the name to which all knees will bow and all earthly achievements will be laid at his feet. The point here is that to concentrate only on finding out who I am, I become the sinner again and again. So this need and desire to know is balanced by responding to the upward call to know him as foremost. Through that focus, he brings us into the other. You know, the big difference is this. The names and titles we acquire here are really adjectives that describe something about us or our achievements. But whereas with God, all the many names ascribed to him, they're not adjectives, but they're the essence of who he is. To which name is worthy of living your life before and for? God alone only. Oh, to be absolutely content to be in his shadow, even hidden, 
to do those works of service, those deeds prepared beforehand with no notice of self. How do we get there? You know, it's noteworthy that even when Jesus performed miracles, the scriptures often say the people praised God, yet performing the one performing the miracle, Jesus never objected to the praise going to the Father. Being equal with God, he didn't cling to that right. His life was spent pointing to the Father. Trusting God to make Jesus own name glorified or great, if you will, in the Father's time. Shall I and us and we individually and the church not follow with God's grace to do likewise? You know, names are important. Uh, as I was reading in Revelation a, wh a while back, of two of the seven churches in Revelation had promises concerning their name. One was the church at Pergamum, uh, in Revelation 2.17, it says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on that stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. You know, we have a quest to be, to be made known, but eventually we're going to get a name that no one knows, but we'll understand who we really are. Um, you know, we said earlier, now we know in part, but then we shall know fully. If we will set in our heart to make his name known, eventually, gradually, he will make us know who we are. Uh, again, uh, the church in Philadelphia, Revelations 3.12, it says this, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And listen to this. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, and my new name. In other words, God's saying, you're mine. Jesus, even more than King David, also served God's purposes. He fell asleep, he died, but he rose again. And Hebrews tells us this, when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he had inherited a more excellent name than they. And it tells us again in Revelation, thousands upon thousands were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory. Philippians goes on and says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So I encourage you to take heart and live for his name alone, remembering this, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, and I just have to go back to the songs that we sung earlier that Bill met us in. There's higher praise because his name is higher. So let 
his name be lifted higher. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to see a new vision of you, new encounter with you, new revelation of how majestic you are, how wonderful you are, how all-encompassing you are. Lord, that we might, uh, we might desire to be hidden in your shadow, that we might know as we follow hard after you, you'll reveal to us who we are. So Lord, help us to, to walk in that place of tension between making your name known and trusting you that you will show us who we are and what we're, we're destined to become and the things that you've called us to do. Lord, help us to be led of your spirit in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Bill, let's sing a song. Let's praise the name of Jesus. Yeah, I've, I've got a song, um, but somebody else is singing it. <clears throat> it's a recording. And um, great. I, I think I think you'll like it um, because it talks about the faithfulness of God. Great is his faithfulness. And when you consider the name of the Lord um, being lifted high or, or being looked at and marveled at, um, he, it's only because he's revealed himself to us. And he, he does call us to live for the glory of his name. And if you ever wanted a purpose in life, a great purpose in life, then the greatest purpose of life is to live for the glory of his name. Um, you know, let that sink in. I think that's what Preston is, Preston, that's what I'm hearing from your message is, um, yeah, God chooses names for many people and he gives them new names and he gives them names that they never would have suspected. Uh, he gives them names that inspire them to be more than they've ever thought possible or to remind them of what he's delivered them from, you know, like even Isaac, whose name means he laughs. <laughs> you know, what, what he, he went through all of his life knowing that he was named because his mom laughed at the miracle that the angel suggested to, to Sarah that she was going to have a baby. Um, so, so often, you know, we do things because we're, we're in the heat of the moment and we think that's all that's important. But when God created us, he created us for this long stretch of history, years and years of how we live our life and how we reflect him. And, and I think that's where I was thinking about that verse about the aroma, the aroma that we offer. I mean, smell is one of our senses of, uh, that we have, one of the five senses but we don't, we think of things smelling really good when, when fresh fruit comes in, or we think of things smelling really bad, you know. Um, but how often do we really think about the sense of smell and that your life can be lived in such a way that it smells to the glory of God? It smells like Jesus Christ. One scripture. It's what I was thinking of, which I guess shows where my mind is on some of this when you're talking about names, but it's in Proverbs. It says, the memory of the righteous is blessed, 
but the name of the wicked will rot. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? The name of the wicked will rot. It comes to nothing. It's just a foul odor in the in the yeah. nostrils of God. So, but the blessed is a whole different category. Yeah. Thanks, Preston. Mm -hmm. yeah. Someone else have a comment or confession? I've been uh, reading a book called The Gift of Being Yourself, um, written by a Christian um, counselor, basically. And uh, it's, that's where I based my message off of a few weeks ago. But it's been so interesting to read it because he said, in the quest to know God and know yourself, he says, you, you realize three things. First of all, we are deeply loved by God. Secondly, we are deeply sinful people. And third, we are in a redemptive process of being changed to be like him. And, and I really like that because it keeps it all in context. If we only look at our sin, we can forget that we are deeply loved by God. Um, if, we, if we don't look at our sin, we can think we're better than we really are. Um, but if we realize we are, first of all, deeply loved by God, Secondly, deeply sinful. Third, we're being, we have been, as believers in Jesus, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and he is changing us to become more like himself and receive our true identity, which is in Christ, which is what Preston's talking about. Um, and, I, and also, I'm really impressed with the question you asked, Preston, which I think is a very important question. Are we tower builders? You know, because that is the great temptation, I think, to any, any position of leadership, um, anyone who is, uh, you know, trying to, has, who has power or authority, how we use it, you know, are we building a name for ourselves? Are we trying to build a reputation for ourselves, Or are we serving others? And you look around in politics today, it's just tower builders. I mean... I mean, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind is just people trying to make a name for themselves and, and, in, and often a thought, you know, that kind of responsibility, that kind of power often leads to tower building rather than laying your life down for other people. So I think that's a good question to ask ourselves in our own lives. Where are we tower builders, you know, rather than, um, I don't, know, I don't know the opposite, you know, you, this, this, the opposite comes to my mind is just laying your life down, more like a bridge builder rather than a tower builder. Um, but thank you, Preston. That was a really good word. Maybe it's peacemaker, Camille. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, peacemaker. You know, it's interesting. Um, one thing I didn't share about Abram's walk is you know, he left with Lot and with his father, Terah. And it says they settled in a land short of the promised land. Mm -hmm. And there he had to make a choice when his father died. Am I going to stay here and, and, and build my name? Or am I going to go on and follow? And I think we've, we, we've, we hit those places where we have to continue to make those choices. 
but he left that place and he went on to where God was going to show him. Preston, yeah. I think your points about Abraham or um, Abram when he chose Lot, that he was looking to do things his way, that, that Lot would, of course, be the one that would inherit what he had. And then when Hagar came along, he was still um, tower building in his own effort. And oftentimes when we do that, it, it has grave consequences that those consequences didn't last for just a little while. I mean, it, historically, there, there have been great consequences for generations. And so um, it, it certainly is a fearful thing, not in the sense of fear, but fear of the Lord thing, that we wouldn't just say, oh, I want to be a tower builder, but to realize the implications to our own lives, but also historically uh, implications to that. And um, I, I think along with the name of peacemaker and opposite of tower builder would be servant. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Jesus came to serve and to not be served. And if he would do that, then certainly um, a reputation that, that we would want to have would be to serve him. And um, the scripture used that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That, that was a, a servanthood thing. Um, so it's a willingness to lay down us uh, that that more of him, less of, of us, that his name would be known. You want to be great, learn to be a servant. Let me share this song with you. And um, we'll we'll pray after conclusion. Please please stay with it. It's a it's a pretty powerful song. Faithful through the ages, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proved.
wonderful. Thank you, Bill. I long for those days when um, the people of God can be crowded in a room with one voice and with one spirit worshiping Jesus mm -hmm. for his faithfulness to us. Amen. He is the anchor of our souls. He's, he is, his name is the great name, and we all find our place and our hope in his name, not apart from his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, as I listen to that song and sing along with it, the thing that comes to my mind is, Jesus, please have, please have mercy on the nations of the world right now. Please have mercy, Lord. Please raise up servant leaders, not tower builders, Lord. Yes. As we look to mend uh, the wounds of the past, as we look to deal with injustices, Lord, as we look for wisdom and discernment from you, it's so easy to slip into tower building, Lord, to make a name for ourselves. Lord, we beg you, please, raise up leaders at all levels, starting with us, Lord, in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, to be servants, not tower builders. Please, Lord, help us. Lord, again, again today, as we, we've gathered to worship you, we've gathered, Lord, to encourage one another and to stir up faith, to stir up hope, Lord, to, to stir up love for our neighbor. Lord, we ask you to, to fan the flames of the fire that's within us. Help us to love our spouses. Help us to love our children. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us to love your word, Lord. Help us to love your name. Amen. And Lord, give us the strength to, uh, to occupy the land until you come. Give us the strength, Lord, to to spread abroad the good tidings of, of the good news. We have a savior and he is the savior of the world for all who would put their trust in him. Thank you. Lord, thank you for that, that man, that, the pastor that Preston prayed with. Thank you, Lord, for those God moments that we have in the public realm where we might pray for people yes. and, and, and have them, Lord, cast their hopes upon you. Yes. Lord, we ask you for more opportunities, more opportunities, Lord, to bless your name and to 
speak praises, Lord, to your name and to lift your name higher. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, Preston mentioned that the need for our own church leaders to be prayed for. So Lord, I just join with my brothers and sisters today and I we lift up Preston and Bill and Greg, Lord, as the elders of our fellowship, asking for an outpouring of wisdom and discernment. And for all the others, Lord, for Roger and, and for Randy and others um, that prepare messages, Lord, would you please, Lord, for each one, for Bill and others who lead worship, Lord, for Mary, for the Crosswave leaders, all of us, Lord, are leading different things. Would you please, Lord, give us wisdom? We do pray for our eldership, Lord. We ask that you would encourage them and give them great wisdom in this very strange time, Lord, in trying to lead us as a fellowship in the midst of the coronavirus. Would you please, Lord, encourage them, strengthen them, and give them great wisdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, when um, Moses was talking to the people about what God had done, one of the things he said was, you know, he said, God let you be hungry mm -hmm. because he wanted to see what you would do. He wanted to see if you would remain faithful if you missed a couple of meals. He wanted to see if you remain faithful if you didn't get everything you wanted the minute you wanted it. He's testing the hearts of the people. And God hasn't changed. He tests our hearts to see in the midst of the thing we're going through right now, are we going to grumble and complain constantly, which is a, an attitude that myself with a lot of other people do some more than we should, to see whether or not are we just going to trust God, be faithful, and not complain and grumble. It says it was a great sin because they tested the Lord. They kept asking the question, is God with us? Mm -hmm. After he'd done everything that they could possibly imagine and more. And then they go, well, we missed a meal. Is God with us? Mm -hmm. And how ridiculous can you get? So God tests the righteous and the wicked. That's what scripture says. He tests both. Mm -hmm to see whether or not we're going to believe him and remain faithful. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to myself, I think, more than anybody else. The other thing that comes to my mind is we, um, I was having a conversation with a few other people yesterday um, in our fellowship. And, you know, we, we can't afford to miss the spiritual warfare aspect of what's going on. When people, when they were trying to build that tower of Babel, what's the spirit behind it? The spirit of idolatry, pride, divisiveness, rebellion. There's a lot of demons behind stuff like that. And when you look at what's happening right now in our own nation and the nations of the world, you know, and you see violence and destruction and you see murder you see great destruction. Every time that happens, folks, we cannot discount the fact that the enemy takes advantage of it. And there are spiritual forces that are released every time stuff like that happens. 
And that's why it often becomes like a giant fire that takes, that just takes off and you can't hardly stop it because there are demonic forces that attach themselves to those acts of violence and destruction. And I've seen it overseas, I've seen it here. And so we need to be praying and asking the Lord to raise up a standard against those forces of darkness um, and to pray against them. Um, because they, they, are, they are taking advantage of things like that. And this is just a reality. The Bible is very clear that we, de we live in a, the, the world where we cannot see the unseen forces, but we see what they are doing. Um, and so this is part of our walk with Jesus, is to be aware of what's going on and to pray against those things when we see them. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, Pat is... Um, more versed in this than I am, but honestly, this is a reality. If we disregard it, we disregard it to our own peril, because it's not just humans. The Bible says it's not just flesh. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against powers and principalities, and when we see it, we need to ask the Lord for wisdom. What, what's the name? Like Preston said, the names. What's the name of that principality? What's going on? And then we need to pray against it. I don't know, Pat, if you want to add anything to that, but honestly, this, we have to be, don't be naive. That's what I'm saying. I think one of the things that I'm thinking about is my first trip to Ayacucho, Peru. I had, Greg and I both had read a book about what it started there and it happened throughout the nation of um, Peru through the Shining Path, which was a very violent Marxist uh, uprising. And I had um, some pretty incredible conversations with people who had experienced uh, what had taken place there. Uh, incredible conversations uh, that are so much more sobering now maybe than even then. Many of you, I know Camille did, contributed to um, a particular lady who had lost all of her family, all of her village, during that time, and she had lost her legs as well, and she was homeless, and uh, we were able to raise enough money to build a small home, according to the standards there, which was very modest uh, for her. And um, I, I just think about, as I read that book, how it was so obvious to see the spiritual warfare that was taking place. And Unfortunately, I don't think we understand very much about spiritual warfare. I don't really understand a lot about it. But the people that I have seen that seem to have authority with it are people that, one, see it for what it is, but they also have often lived far closer to the heart of God than I have lived. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of uh, somebody like Lou Engel or Heidi Baker. Uh, Heidi Baker, for example, has lived in garbage dumps in the Philippines in very, very, just incredibly difficult circumstances in Africa, where the country that she's been in for many years with her husband and family is uh, run by Marxists, and she's been at gunpoint many times. You develop a lot of spiritual strength <laughs> when you have the courage to live in those kind of conditions. But regardless of that, God has still equipped us 
mm -hmm. to deal with spiritual warfare. That was part of the Great Commission. And so um, I think it behooves us to go to the scripture and try to understand a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, to try and, and understand the weapons we were given and the uh, discernment that we were told to walk in, mm -hmm. uh, to intend to, to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And thank you for the message, Preston. Mm -hmm. It makes me, uh, I think you may have mentioned the scripture, but it makes me think, especially of the scripture where he says, I have called you by name. Mm -hmm. And just the intimacy of that. And the song, Bill, if you would send the link to that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powerful song. I think that, um, you know, we've had a lot of different words over the 2020, but uh, one that really comes to mind that Pat had mentioned uh, early on was that we hadn't come this way before, but um, there are many, many generations that thought the same thing. And God gave them the strength and the wisdom and the grace to do that. Um, and, you know, we need to, we need to, find out and understand the principalities and powers like you're saying we also need to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the signs of the times and they knew what to do that's that's kind of what we're asking them and I think Bill really had a key word in his prayer you know our our thing is to occupy we've been given ground to hold you know in the spirit and we need to figure out What's the best way to do that? How do we do that? We know it has to be through uh, believing prayer. And I think that's, you know, something that we all, I know I personally have got to get better at. Um, but, you know, uh, yes, it's a, it's a new way for us, but all we have to do is look back to the history of our country or the history of the, of the, of the believers and see that it's now our turn. It's now our turn to be faithful. Um, and God has given strength and wisdom and equipping for every generation to carry forward his name. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't make it very practical, but I mean, just in simply praying for our families, you know, praying, praying, praying that, you know, praying when we see things like uh, division in our family, you know, Lord, what's going on here? You know, well, how do you want me to stand? How do you want me to, to respond? You know, how, what, how do you want me to pray for my children? Um, when you hear there's going to be, um, you know, uh, a, you know, protest in the city, people just, Christians going out and just simply worshiping Jesus, you know, and, and in the city, that's occupying, you know, that's, that's just going, going down to the place where it's happening and just simply praying quietly. You don't have to make a big ruckus, but you just can go down there and be there, you know, on site. I mean, so I think a lot of this, you know, the terms we use, like occupy and spiritual warfare and all those things, to make them practical, it's just everyday living in obedience to the Lord with his, the, and the scripture gives us the, 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 the principles for what to do, but um, yeah, I think like, uh, all the elders are saying it's, it's our time to really rise up and, and, um, and live, live out our faith and, 
um, and be the, be the salt and the light that he's called us to be. And of course, it always starts with us. And we best not forget to laugh. That's right. <laughs> we best not forget to laugh. <laughs> it, it's not good to have yeah. a spirit of heaviness about us. No, no, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's how Mary reminded us at the beginning. It's, that yep. it's, it's quite the joyful thing to laugh. Amen. Um, I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> and he will. That's your special gift, isn't it, Greg? <laughs> uh, some people don't call it a gift. <laughs> yeah. I um, was watching an excerpt from a a new TV series, and um, it was an encounter with Nicodemus and um, and with with Mary and. She, he, he was asking who, who met you? And um, she said, well, I, I don't know his name, but he called me, me by name and he said, I am his. And then she made this amazing statement that um, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Wow. And um, I've, I've thought about that, you know, and <laughs> that when you, when you said, I've called you by name, you're mine. He, he did. He redeemed us. He redeemed me. He called me by name. And, and I really can say exactly those words. I was one way <laughs> and now I'm completely different. And he is continuing to make me even more different. Thank you, Jesus. And the one thing that has happened between then and now is him, is him. And let that be the case with all of us, that it continues to be him. Um, I wanted to give you an update on Wednesday night. We, while we were praying, I even got a message about a man named Larry Hollis. Some of you may remember Larry Hollis. He was in church with us many, many years ago at Mount Olivet, but more recently, he has assisted us with um, the international ministry, Love for All Nations. He um, comes to the lunch parties, he uh, greets people, he brings tables, he, he's talking about a servant. This man, Larry Hollis, is, is an amazing servant. Well, this week he was at Emerald Isle and he either dove into a wave or he was riding a wave and the wave dropped and he crashed to the, the bottom of the ocean floor and has an injury from the C3 to the C5 in his spinal cord. So while we were praying um, Wednesday night and got this message for him, he was going into surgery and in fact did go into surgery and had another surgery the next day He's in the hospital in Greenville, North Carolina, where he had to be air vacted, air air vacked, sorry. And um, so currently he was on a ventilator, but now he has a tracheotomy. However, he is making progress, which for that kind of an injury is an amazing thing 
He, he can move some, um, but it's it, that his family is asking, would we please continue to pray for him? Um, again, a very precious man who loves people and he has loved many of our international friends. Um, so Larry Hollis um, is the brother-in-law of um, Phil Hare and um, Phil's wife. Brenda. Brenda. Anyway, we, we, were, we were in church with them. I can't call her name right now, but anyway. Brenda. 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 Phil and, and Brenda, mm -hmm. yes, that's, he's, he's their brother-in-law. Um, so to rejoice that he is making progress, but to please pray that he will continue to make progress. I, I, I certainly want to believe that the Lord will continue and completely restore that, that man. Um, we had a birthday that was celebrated this week for Simon. Simon is now nine. I think, um, many of us know that and mike reminded us that this is the last year he will be one digit and we have another birthday of a young man coming up on uh july the 4th and that is archer's birthday oh. i don't know is is <laughs> still around is she still on she is she's yeah, right there okay well I've, I've got an ipad so i can't see i can't see okay christina is archer around So we can sing happy birthday to him. You have to unmute, Christina. There you go. Unmute. There he is. Arthur. There he is. Hello, He's Arthur. Five years old. All right. Going to be five years old on June. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's sing happy birthday to Arthur. Okay, Bill, you want to lead yeah. us? Here we go. So, so, so watch, watch my hand. Don't listen to my voice. You ready? <laughs> Happy birthday Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday that I have is I wish that all of you could have joined us on Monday when Galena and Carla and Betty and myself did a drive around to our King's Jewels families and we had bubble making machines and we had King's Jewels t-shirts and we had uh, all kind of different gifts and so it was a wonderful time <laughs> and so maybe if uh, if Galena and Carla are okay with it one Sunday, we will bring our bubble-making machines to church so you all can laugh and enter into the festivities because we had a great time and we did a lot of laughing and a lot of loving. And um, one little boy who does not go to Gateway, but he is part of King's Jewels, later told his mom, he said, 
I wish they would never leave. <laughs> he wanted us to stay forever because it really was a lot of fun with all of them. Son Locke is mad because you didn't give him a t-shirt. We did give him a t-shirt. <laughs> to him? Yes. Oh, yeah, I, uh -huh. I did. I did. <laughs> Are you wearing it? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not wearing it. Son <laughs> yeah. Locke came to, to King's Jewels and he, uh, Rebecca taught him a dance called Stop, Look, and Listen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, just one time. Yeah, they were all doing really well. <laughs> so has, he got the t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the time. <laughs> and Greg, if you would come to King's Jewels, we would get you a t-shirt, too. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you, can, you can bring Anastasia. <laughs> If that happened, Greg would have to learn the dance too. That's right. <laughs> I'm good at tangos. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at the names and I see Lydia. Is, is Galena, is that your friend Lydia? Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, she's here. She enjoys today. Good. good. Hello, Lydia. Hope you can understand me. Hello. Hi, Lydia. Hi, Lydia. Hello. Hello. Hi, Lydia. Hello. Well, I don't know if you can hear me again. Yes, we can. We can. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're inside today. Pardon? Are you inside? Yes, uh, I'm on the balcony at my apartment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to see you. May God bless you, Lydia. Thank you. Good to see you too. Thank you. Okay, friends. And Lydia, when you come to America, Maybe we can see if Galena can get you a King's Jewel shirt too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, any other thing anybody else needs to share? Prayer meeting Wednesday night on Zoom. Prayer meeting Wednesday night. And Bill announced the prayer meeting starts at seven, but if yeah. you can't make it at seven, then you can make it at 7.15, 7.30. Whenever you can make it, we would love for you to join us and pray. Yeah, there, there were a couple of comments on the survey report about um, that 7 o'clock was hard to get to, and but they could come at 8. I'm thinking, okay, come at 8. If you can come at 8, then that's fine. Typically, we, we spend 20 to 30 minutes reacquainting ourselves with one another and sharing prayer requests. And then typically it's an hour of prayer. Um, we try to share the microphone <laughs> in the prayer meeting. And uh, sometimes you have to nudge us if we pray too long, but uh, we haven't instituted any rules about only one breath prayers yet. But uh, if that becomes a problem, we will. But we would, we would certainly welcome. Um, we probably pray on, on a normal evening 20 25 different topics, mm -hmm. uh, people, places, countries, situations, uh, health, direction, uh, almost anything you can imagine mm -hmm. that we could ask God about, we will ask God about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're all welcome. One of, one of those topics is that Camille leaves this week. I think it's July 2nd. Is that right, Camille? On Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we'll be teaching at um, Mercy Ships and also 
um, teaching and having opportunity to walk out the word of today with your family, right? Um, like, like you talked about. Um, the 15th in Texas. Okay. So as I get my mask and goggles and gloves and hand sanitizer all prepared for my trip, <laughs> you can pray for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And Mary, you'll check on these shelters whenever they might see when they're going to be open. Can I, you do that? I can do that. I'll check on a variety of them. Um, one of the things that was very effective for us as Crosswave this past weekend, uh, or weekend past Tuesday night, we were out in a field mm -hmm. at, a, at a church not too far from Preston's house. Mm -hmm. So I think that we could even look at that option uh, if, if we have any availability. I know at one time Magda had said we could come out to her yard. Um, so there, there may be a variety of possibilities of shelters and the like. But I will check on that. Mary, uh, uh, sort of a thought, I was um, driving near the fairgrounds the other day and noticed that they seem to have a couple of nice pavilion kind of shelters overlooking the lake there. I have no idea if they're open to be rented at this point, but it's certainly a central location. That's a great idea, Pat. I can check on that. That'd be great. I got a sweet text message from Aunt Jane yesterday, and I think it just reminded us to, I don't know if she's on, I see a phone number down there, but I'm not sure if that's her or not, but just to remember her and call her or text her. Um, I think this has just been a really hard time to be isolated, and um, she really appreciates being in contact with us and our prayers for her. Okay, thank you, Jill. Mm -hmm. Carter Stadium is empty right now, Mary. You might check that. <laughs> yeah, we could probably get a good deal. <laughs> we certainly do social distancing. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Are yeah, we limited was... to 25 people or what? It depends on whether you're protesting or not. <laughs> yeah. I protest the devil. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the rules are, are, are general guidelines. But, but, but we do need to be wise because, well, we find out at the, at the Crossway meeting Tuesday night, for instance, there were some people that really wanted to distance themselves. They always had the mask on. Yep. And other people none of that applied to them. So they, everything was as they've, they've always lived. And so what happens, you, people are in, a, in this dynamic sort of situation, they become very uncomfortable with the ones that aren't receptive to hugs and close proximity. And then the ones that, that do receive it, you know, they're nervous. And so it's, 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 um, this is a real test in our ability to prefer one another. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, the Lord is getting at things at people's hearts and it's, it's ugly when the, the wrong things come out. <laughs> we, we see it a lot. So um, we just remind that we're not at war with each, each other. Well, we just need to pick a scapegoat so that we can have that one person take all the blame if something happens. 
Well, you know, you know what, what was said about spiritual warfare. Um, I've seen people that really are gentle, calm people become bullies on social mm -hmm. media. Oh, yeah. And you think, where did that come from? Where did, when did they come up? When did that person become a bully? When did they insist that their thinking was pure and right and everybody else's wasn't? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I know where that comes. I know where that lie comes from, mm -hmm. you know? Unless, unless you're upholding the word of God is what should be followed, you know? Um, so anyway, we are definitely in a spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Well, church, be the church. Amen. Don't leave an opportunity to um, to bless someone through prayer, um, through paying for their watermelon at the grocery store. <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> All right, should I tell that story or? Let's let this be the last story, okay? Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Dad mentioned somebody paying for someone else's watermelon out of the grocery store and what I I was just going to buy groceries for the week and I wanted to buy a, a watermelon so I was looking for a watermelon and there was a lady a, across from me and seemed like she was like looking down her and I figure out which one she wanted and my first thought was like um you want some help picking up the one that you want maybe it's too heavy maybe I can help you and she said well I don't have enough enough money and she wanted to buy other things too because I thought she only had like five dollars. So I I can I can buy it for you. Um but then then like yeah, like I didn't even plan to say but my but I asked her like oh I can buy it for you. Like I didn't even I didn't even plan to say it, it just kinda like came out. And then and then the next thing out of my mouth was like anything else that you would need. Wow. <laughs> like, I didn't even plan to say it, just like anything else that you would like. like so I, I hadn't even, like, and ended up, like, paying for this lady's groceries that I had literally, like, just met. And she spoke Spanish. I was able to tell her, um, yo te bendiga, God, God bless you. Mm -hmm. And I, ha I hadn't even, like, planned to help someone that day. But I guess, I mean, I just felt like, and, and I wasn't trying to do it, like, for a show or whatever. I, I just saw that she'd really needed some help and probably didn't have the means to afford what she needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. And God just put me right, right there and was able to, to help this, this lady out. So it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that God used me to help somebody else that I hadn't even planned on, but maybe he was in, and, and who, who knows, maybe that really blessed her and maybe I mean, she could eat for the day. Who, who, who knows? And, mm -hmm. Good thing you weren't in Hawaii. Anastasia tells me the watermelons are five or six dollars a pound. <laughs> oh gracious! <laughs> That's true. Wow. Oh gracious! Yeah. That's awesome, Rebecca. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for being obedient to what the Lord prompted you to do. Amen. Yeah. Good job, Rebecca. Yeah, I I was thinking about it later, and it's, it's kind of like. Like I said, I wasn't even planning on it, but God like works through you even when you aren't like thinking that He will. Like I, like I said, I just said, I just said like, what else would you like? Or I'll pay it for you. Like I didn't even think about that. Like He just put it through my mouth and. Awesome. So 
he works through us in spite of us and yep. walking in the spirit right, yeah. that's right <laughs> yeah yeah so rebecca why don't you why don't you pray a benediction for our meeting okay <laughs> all right oh god we we thank you so much that we can once again come together on uh, online lord and um even there are a hard desire that one day we can be together. Lord, let us, let us enjoy the moments that we are able to see each other. Like some, some places, I don't know if they're doing that, but Lord, um, just what a blessing it is to be able to see each other, to talk with, with one another, Lord. And um, we just thank you for the message of, of today, Lord, just uh, how, how you, you use names to, to maybe lead us in the direction that, that we should go. Or, or how you want to um, to encourage us to 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 be what you're calling us to be, Lord. And I just thank you for our 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 leaders and how they pray over us and how they lead us and how they they teach us, Lord. I I just pray that you also give them um, just an extra measure of wisdom, Lord, to to know how to lead us and know where to lead us and to know how to. Um, encourage the sheep that you've put in their pen, Lord. Uh, I just thank you for the, the blessing of a church family coming together, Lord. Thank you so much for all the people here, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. It's good to see you. Bye. You want a postcard yeah. from Texas, Camille? All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 Lydia, it's good to see you this morning. Bye. Thank Your you. English is very good. Where did you learn English? Well, in Russia. <laughs> okay. So you never have you ever left the country? Ever been out of the country? Oh well, I worked in one American institution also. In yeah. Okay. So I I I heard it from American people too. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. It it it. Sounds a little Russian, you know, but but you have a very nice accent. It's very good. Oh, thank you. Thanks for thanks for calling in this morning or tonight. I guess it, it's evening over there, right? Yeah, it's evening actually. It's okay. still uh, we have a lot of light outside. Yeah, it's white night in Saint Petersburg, but um, yeah, it's evening. But not in actually. December. It would be very dark outside, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Lydia. Bye-bye, everybody. Much.